like X versus Sever. Yeah, just <laughs> just like X versus Sever. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yowza. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hola! There we go. Yes. There's the there's the highs that I like. See. Si. And the lows. See, si, see, si, right. right. Just gonna high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeremy's iron. <laughs> um but we're gonna go right into the movie club today. We're gonna be talking about crime movies. You can find me in the club. You should join our club, you and your friend. Now, if you're not going to take this seriously, perhaps we should disband the club now. <laughs> <laughs> I love being a part of things. Yeah, yeah baby. You know, this is a, a way more expansive genre than I thought it was when I initially saw this. Yeah. Uh, I I was I was looking at it and I was like, well, there's a few because the thing that I think of when I think of crime movies is usually um, L.A. Confidential type movies. Yeah. Or uh, or gangster films, yeah, uh, and those certainly fit under it. Uh, but there are a lot of different kinds of crime movies, and you don't. I don't really. I, it took me a while to think about them, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that fits under this, like yeah. a ton. This is the most I've ever written under a favorite best, yeah, and all that. Although didn't write so much on the underseen, but mm. uh, uh, well. Yeah, the under the underrated was the ones mm. that I hadn't said, but the underseen I have quite a few of too. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so we're trying to limit it to because every a lot of movies have a crime that happens during, right? It, but we want to go with crime centric. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, um, all right. So, what do we consider our best crime movies? Like, Godfather, Godfather, Dark Knight. <laughs> Dark Knight. Okay. I well, mean, I can go with that. I, I, no, I agree with you. I'm just gonna. I'm just. I'm. I'm just saying that I think, what do you think of when you think Dark Knight immediately? Mm. Comic book movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a crime film. Okay. So then Heat. Yes. Uh-huh. Heat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, Goodfellas. Yep. Untouchables. Yeah. Untouchables. Yeah. yeah. Last week when we when we recorded last week's episode and we were leaving, Barrett was like, we're going to talk crime movies. And I literally on the steps of Chris's house went, that is, I'll just go ahead and jump ahead for one second. That's my favorite crime movie, mm-hmm. The Untouchables. Oh, yeah. Um, that is, it's just like a snuggly Linus blanket. Uh, <laughs> and. Of- and guess what, guys? De Niro's in all of them. Oh yeah. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't in the first Godfather, but he was in Godfather Part Two, which basically is you know same type of yeah, type yeah. of deal. Uh, but uh, do you think he's starred in more as a, as far as a list major star? He's been in more crime films than anyone else. It seems like a highest percentage of his higher percentage of his films are crime. I films. would. I mean, I don't. You know, I'm not have, having thought of it, but I would say, yeah, probably. Yeah, he, even up he, until he and analyze this and analyze that. Yeah, those are both crime yeah. films. Yeah. Right. He and Pacino have been in a lot, and they've both been cops. They've both been gangsters. Yep. They've done the whole thing there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, we've talked a ton about Goodfellas. We've mm-hmm. talked a ton about Godfather. I don't know if we've talked too much about Heat, but that's a movie that's right up there yeah. as far as it's not as good as those two but it's it's up there it really is mm-hmm. i mean man well that's the weird thing about michael mann because he did 
Public Enemies not too long ago, mm-hmm. right, with Johnny Depp and everything, mm-hmm. which was a huge miss. Yep. And some of his later stuff just hasn't really landed for yeah. me. Yeah. He did the Miami Vice reboot and everything. I've got there's some people who love that Miami Vice movie. Really? I've never yeah. quite gotten that. Interesting. I remember watching it going, Man, I just I can't I cannot get on board with this. Collateral's <laughs> great. Oh yeah. That yes. was probably his last great movie, I think, in my mind. I would agree. And we both love The Insider. Mm-hmm. Um so I'd say he's got more great than not great. No, for sure. His, I mean, and he did the movie Thief too. James Conn mm-hmm. was another good one. Manhunter. Yeah, Manhunter. I mean, yeah, I know that. Fuck that <laughs> William <movie>. Peterson. <laughs> By the way, do you hate that movie? I do. Okay, so I had never seen it all the way through, um, and it came on a month or so ago, mm-hmm. and I was watching it. Man, I did not realize how much Red Dragon copies beat for beat from this story. It is Red like, Dragon. Yeah, I'm just saying when they when they made Red Dragon the movie mm-hmm. with Ed Norton. I didn't realize how much was identical. Yeah, exactly. Because Manhunter. Manhunter is is that book, right? Translated, um, but then they went back and I don't know. I that that's a, a sequel, I guess a prequel that was completely unnecessary to me. Oh, Even yeah. though I don't like Manhunter, I didn't think. Of course, they were going to try to get all the Hannibal Lecter they could get out of Anthony Hopkins, and so they had to do it again. But I didn't think it was very necessary. I like it better than Manhunter, but I didn't think it was necessary. So I just read an anecdote yesterday, Anthony Hopkins. Um, talking about um, being somewhere. I think he was in Florida and a friend of his wanted to go see Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> and so he went in and sat in the back and watched the movie with the audience. And when it was done, I guess the woman in front of him said something like, what are you so worried about? It's not like Hannibal Lecter's in the theater. Turns around and sees Anthony Hopkins <laughs> wow. and goes, oh my God, he is. Oh God. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> freak me Because out, remember, man. Anthony Hopkins wasn't exactly like a big name right. actor for Americans at that point. He had had a long career before this. I mean- super long people who were like really into the know of movies knew it but that was his movie that broke him out mm-hmm. like he was in everything from that point forward uh but just imagine yeah you, know, you see that guy after the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, that's crazy that would fuck me up yeah um obviously silence of the lambs fits under this too yep. is another one and uh and untouchables we watched and we've we talked about those movies a ton mm-hmm. so let's get into I guess some other bests of ours, and who wants to kick us off? Well, it's interesting because you mentioned The Dark Knight, you mentioned Silence of the Lambs. When you think, when you throw those out there, Silence of the Lambs, I think horror. When you say Dark Knight, I think comic book movie. Mm-hmm. Um, my best, I think, crime movie would be Pulp Fiction, which of mm-hmm. course we've talked about a lot too. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because if you throw that out there and say, what's that genre? I don't know what how to answer that. It is a crime movie. I guess that's the the best fit for it, right? Yeah, ultimately it's crime genre. I mean, there's there's not much else to it as far as genre. Like it's not super multi-genre. You could say drama, comedy, mm-hmm. stuff like that, but there's not any other kind of niche type yeah. of genre yeah, that's it's not that, really action. No, no. It's um, kind of become its own its own genre because of how many people have tried to copy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I would. I, mean, I think it fits very comfortably in just crime mm-hmm. in general. I mean, yeah, it's my best. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I would also. Uh, I put uh, well, actually, I put that in favorite, but uh, uh, I'll get to that later. But uh, I have a bunch listed down for the best, and I'm looking back and forth between all of these, and I'm going to say L.A. Confidential is my best. Nice. Uh, we did talk a bunch about L.A. Confidential before. Um, <laughs> not as much as we. Not as much as to. not as much as we should have. Um, but um, 
but uh, la confidential uh is is uh is just a masterpiece the 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 fact that curtis hansen and everybody took this took this 500 page book and turned it into a solid two-hour movie mm-hmm. is incredible in itself but uh they keep all the same like perfect things about the book in it and everything and it's a great mystery mm-hmm. and uh and uh it just gets you into that it gets you into that, gets you down and dirty and well, it's solid acting mm-hmm. from the three leads you're basically watching three different completely different styles of cops right You've got Russell Crowe, who's like a physical thuggy cop who does some shady stuff. You've got by the book um, Guy Pierce, mm-hmm. and then you've got Kevin Spacey, who's like the celeb cop, who yeah. consults on TV shows yeah. and movies and whatnot, and is more of a celebrity than a cop. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. In hindsight, you know, I kind of feel bad about the way it went down in the bracket, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to show it a little more. Love. But yeah, you have you have yeah, Mr. Goody Two Shoes, Guy Pierce is playing uh, Ed- Edmund Exley. And uh, and he's hated in the department because he names names during mm-hmm. a big incident that yeah. happens, and then and then you have uh, then you have Bud White who is Russell Crowe's like just he's apparently just a meathead. Yep. And and both of them have to show that they are more than that, or that or they prove that they are more than that throughout the throughout the movie. Actually, has to get his hands dirty as Cromwell keeps saying to him mm-hmm. all the way through it um and uh and and bud white has to be has to think uh yeah and he's the one who kind of breaks it because he goes to that woman's house and mm-hmm. looks under the 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 crawl space or whatever and finds the dead body and he's like you know i, I love that it's like he goes through this whole plot thing and he's like that's why he's under underneath this woman's uh crawl space and he don't smell too good <laughs> <laughs> um but uh it's such a it's such a complex uh it's such a complex plot, mm-hmm. but it's not one that you're going, oh, what's going on? I don't understand. Why did that happen? No. And all that. It's it, everything told makes sense. so well, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a lot of moving parts to it. And uh, yeah, by the end of it, the, you know, when it, of course, is going to a, come down to a big gunfight at the end. The gunfight is amazing. Yeah, it yeah. is. And, uh, and it just, uh, it, I mean, the whole movie is perfect. I don't know if there's one thing about that movie I would change. No, and I actually had a similar reaction to Kevin Spacey's death that I did uh, Vincent Vega's death in Pulp Fiction. Oh, Because it yeah. was so shocking. Yeah. I was like, this is... At that point, like the lead character, this is the most well-known name. And I was like, oh, shit. Now, that is a one big, huge departure from the book. Because, mm-hmm. it, you know, in the movie, that was the reason. Because he goes, Rolo Tomasi. Mm-hmm. And so Cromwell goes to Exley and asks about Rolo Tomasi, which is the fake person that Exley uh, was talking about. The person who always gets away with it. Um, uh, that was not in the book that whole uh that whole thing i can't remember in the book how they ended up i think it was just regular police work or whatever is what ended up ended up doing that but in the movie it's a more satisfying yeah yeah, you know type of thing where he's they one last little salvo is what ends up you know uh sending cromwell into Mm -hmm. the you know uh under suspicion and everything Mm -hmm. um Man, what a yeah, what a great movie, what a great cast, and I can't recommend this movie enough, and it should have been in like the final eight. Cromwell is really great in this, man. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like uh he's got that quote where it's like Exley goes after White or White goes after Exley, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he thinks he's cheating on his 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 girlfriend yeah. or whatever. 
And uh, Cromwell looks after him. He's like, I wouldn't want to be Edmund Exley for all the whiskey and <laughs> yeah, Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's really great. It's a huge cast, right? You got yeah. Kim Basinger, David Strathairn's in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody really shines. Danny DeVito plays oh, a yeah? great little scummy reporter. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's better than we probably gave it credit for <laughs> yeah. in that bracket. Um, I already said my favorite in the next round is going to be uh, Untouchables, but that's all. I'm just going to go ahead and call that the best. Because mm-hmm. I... As much as I could try and find one that's not one of these heavy hitters we named off early, um, it's still the it's still in my opinion the best. Mm. It does everything better than everything else. <laughs> it's the king. <laughs> There's no point even even debating. Anyway, no, I, I love the Untouchables. Um, I'll have I have a couple others on the. I wonder the if that's underseen at this point. Yeah, you think? well, I think just due to age, it probably is. It might be. But what's great is it it's aged really well. Yeah, uh, it has because you know, obviously it's a period piece, but it's also a lavish period piece in terms mm-hmm. of like that scene when they're walking to go to the bank to raid the liquor that's behind the bank and they mm-hmm. walk down that street you probably know which street it is because it's yeah. chicago <laughs> but all the cars and the bill it just looks like you're back then in that era um uh, it's fantastic everything about it mm-hmm. merit yep. love it merit <laughs> all, th- all three of these movies so you could watch these back to back to back and and a whole day's gone by and yeah. you don't even you don't even care <laughs> Yeah. Um, All right. So, what are some of your favorites? All right. So, I already said Untouchables was my very, very, very favorite. Mm -hmm. But I got a lot of love for Ben Affleck in this in this category Mm. uh, of favorite crime movies. I could put Gone Baby Gone or The Town Mm -hmm. um, as my favorite. I watched them both many, many, many times. Um, The Town is more watchable for me because it's not as dour and depressing. Yeah. Gone Baby Gone, slightly better film. Uh, I want to throw some love out to Donnie Brasco. Nice. I don't think is quite small enough to be underseen. Maybe just due to age. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if this movie even did well back then. Um, and, though, and and you know, I mean, Depp doesn't even get any recognition in this movie. I think, and I don't think Pacino does either, as far as Oscars they and both all should. that. Yeah, and uh, and this was a high profile, everybody loved it movie, and somehow, some way, it fell by the wayside. And it might be just because it didn't make enough money to be a you know, something that was visible enough or yeah. whatever. And o- over time, yeah, you've gotten people who I'll hear people talk about it, but it's not like in that conversation, like, yeah, remember Donnie Brasco? Wow, what a great movie. I don't hear no, I know, people- it's so weird because it's one of the best mob movies I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Well, and Quiet Quiet Pacino is a very, very good Pacino. Yeah. Right, because this is not screamy. Nope. It's the polar opposite of that. You know, Devil's Advocate Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this movie plenty too. We've talked about how schlubby he is, and how poor he is, and how downtrodden. And he just gonna, he's been passed over so many times. He's so old. He's never going to get to be bumped up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Depp, yeah, because because Pacino has such a showy performance, even though it's quiet. Depp doesn't get enough credit um, for the way he plays the slow breakdown. Yeah. And, you know, he basically morphs into one of these guys. Yeah. I think the movie's kind of saying it's impossible for him not to, at least if he wants to stay undercover. Um, especially that scene where he's got the tape recorder in his boot. Yeah. And they go to a Japanese restaurant and he's not going to take off his boot. Mm-hmm. And they're initially going to give him hell if he doesn't. The mobsters are. And then he tells this story about his dad who fought in the war. And I'm not going to take my boots off for the, and basically gets a little racist. Yeah, yeah. And then they beat the shit out of that restaurant owner. They beat the (laughs) shit out of him. And that was like the first domino, I think, that started him down the path to 
to basically turning into a criminal, even though it ends with him being highly decorated, yeah. looking out the window, you know, realizing how much of his life is gone now. What a depressing scene, too, that last bit, because after however many years it was that he was in this this undercover thing, it's they like un- unceremoniously like take him up, have him pose with a photo of like the plaque and everything, and then they get the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah. It takes like thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, and it's like oh, and then it, Anna Hayesh, man took a lot of shit in the nineties. Yeah, I feel like like for her ability. Well, you know what? All that stuff. I feel like that had more to do with Ellen than it had to I think do so with too. anything else because she's a terrific actress. She really is, and she's and great in this. Now, she did have a meltdown that was well publicized yeah. and everything like that, but again, do we do we really judge the acting based on the melt? And the meltdown wasn't even that big. I mean, that's a, I mean, yeah. that's a big deal for her, but it wasn't I mean, it wasn't anything we should be like yeah. <laughs> upset about, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> and it wasn't like she did anything wrong, right. didn't commit crimes or anything. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, all through the '90s, she was getting some shit, man. And people started like looking at her like some of the, like she was kryptonite or something, man. It was yeah. weird. And she was, I mean, she plays kind of an unlikable character in this, in that she's got to be, you know, the 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 sense of and the, and the conscience of Joe Pistone in this, and she comes off as a super wet blanket. But yeah. it's like, how would you react? Like you got you got kids here, you got a guy that's never there. He turns into a fucking mobster. They He's have that sneaking therapy. in when he does come by yeah. just to get some money. Yeah. yeah, I mean she's very put upon, um, and she plays the role really great. It does. I mean they they have this scene in the therapist's office where the therapist is like, what are you scared of, Joe? And he's like, I ain't scared of nothing. And she's like, I ain't scared of nothing. I married a college man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he puts on his sunglasses and everything, just completely checks out. Yep. And like, and, uh, How would you react to yeah, that? Of course, it has that great classic scene about the forget about it and all <laughs> yeah. that, which sort of put that in the public vernacular, yeah, basically, sure. was all that. Um, Donnie Brasco, by the way, came out in February of 1997, which mm. is the same year as Devil's Advocate, yeah. if you believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but it made $41 million. Now, there, we've answered two questions here. First, it didn't make that much money. Even for 1997, $41 million is, is just middling. Uh, but it came out in February, which is a, another like classic uh, Oscar miss type of month. Mm-hmm. You know, if it comes out in February, they tend to forget about it later. Forget about it. Yeah, forget <laughs> it. That's right. That's correct. Uh, but it did make uh, made another eighty three million um, in the foreign market, so it made one hundred twenty something million. Dollars. Man, great cast! Michael Madsen is great. Oh, you should watch this movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's a good pick. Yeah, uh, I got other favorites. I got Wolf of Wall Street okay. as one of my favorites. Okay, and that's a pretty it, it's a, it's a crime movie. Of course, Scorsese you know specializes in this type mm-hmm. of thing, um, but it's just so enjoyable. It's so bright. It's so fast paced even though it's a long as shit movie isn't it yeah. like a two yeah, and a half hours it doesn't or something feel like, that. like it though it just it's breakneck yeah it really is oh man it's so good and it's it's unlike a lot of the shit that Scorsese does just because it kind of traffics in a lighter shade it's a comedy of crime yeah 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 it's, it's straight it's up a, a comedy it's a vulgar comedy yes it is <laughs> make no mistake <laughs> yeah one of the most R-ratedest movies that come out in the last few years <laughs> yeah. but I love it yeah it's just so fun to see everybody going to such extremes yeah. right and you know, it's, there's no no bones about it from the from the get go. Leo's a criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love it. Rob <laughs> Reiner's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember uh, it was around Christmas that this came out, mm-hmm. and uh, the three of us were hanging out at a at a restaurant, and <laughs> we asked Chris, Chris had seen it, and Jeremy and I were seeing it the next day, and uh, Chris said. 
this movie does nudity very well. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we saw it, yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I know what he means. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And really, you can't go wrong when it's Margot Robbie. Oh, my God. She is gorgeous. Um, But yeah, um, it's one that, you know, typically doesn't fit in that mold of a crime movie that we typically think about i i think of like crime movie i think of smoking gun yeah, yeah. you know guy in a suit and yeah. all that other type of stuff i wrote down wall street as, <laughs> as 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 one in my favorites as well um wall street obviously way less of a comedy <laughs> and there's like hardly anything that's funny in that movie i agree um but uh but it's 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 a different kind of crime movie and i, I think we sort of you know, it's it's easy to look at a movie like Wall Street and and not see smoking guns and stuff like that and not consider it a crime movie, but it's totally a crime movie. Mm-hmm. There's uh, the the uh, the people on the um, on the law enforcement side are hardly ever seen throughout it until the very end. Mm-hmm. But these guys are just committing crimes the entire time. It's just it's no different from like going out and slinging hash yeah and stuff like that. <laughs> you mean a waffle house <laughs> yes smoke hash that's right that's I, funny actually the last three movies we talked about had people wearing wires Ooh, yeah i know yeah i know isn't that weird how we just keep doing that <laughs> Now it makes it sound like we did it on purpose. In fact, this genre is now people wearing movies with people uh, wearing wires. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Wall Street is is so good. Um, Wall Street's got a badass cast too, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, top to bottom, when you got Martin Sheen and John C. McGinley and like all these mm. character, these these bit characters that show up and are really really good. It's Daryl Hannah too, right? Yeah, yeah. Look at like the. Peak Daryl Hannah. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and she's like, uh, yeah, she, her character is kind of strange. You you kind of root for, um, you you kind of root for Bud Fox to kind of like get with her, but she's an awful person. <laughs> <laughs> she's awful. She's such an awful yeah, person. Like uh, <laughs> like uh, cause yeah, she's pretty and all this other stuff. But once the once they have the argument about. You know, he's like, we can get by and all that. And she's like, I don't want to get by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and, and he, and, and, you know, uh, Gordon Gecko warns him early on. He's like, you know, you won't be making enough money to satisfy a woman like Darian if you mm-hmm. keep going this way or whatever. And he, I mean, exactly. You told him right up front, you're yeah. going to have to make money to keep this girl. Wasn't he, he was with her before. Yeah, Fox was, but right? they, yeah, yeah. they never once tell him that, which is a great, that's a great thing in that movie, by mm-hmm. the way. That is something that they, they put a seed of early on where he's like, did you tell him about us? He's like, what? No, are you kidding me? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That sounds like something that's going to end up being the thing that breaks them up later on, but he never finds that out. He never does. No. Oh, that's crazy. That's a that's a great that. thing. They end up breaking up because of that argument about mm-hmm. the you know we can get by. I'm going to go against Gordon and yeah, all yeah. that. Um, and maybe it was maybe at one time they thought about doing that where find you find out that that happened and that's how they broke up. But maybe the guy came up with a better better thing there. Best Oliver Stone movie. Oh man, it's the one that I've watched the most. Yeah, me too. But I think Platoon might be his best. It, it's yeah, those two were really right up there, right? Um, and and then after that, 
you know, in the nineties, you know, you have JFK, which is an excellent movie. We've talked about JFK a bunch, but JFK is an excellent movie. Uh, I don't know what people's real thoughts on natural born killers are. I, <laughs> I love that movie. I don't think it's his best, but there's some people who absolutely hate it. And then, yeah, I mean, it's it's between those two. Yeah, yeah. I think. think you guys are forgetting about Nixon. <laughs> no, Nixon, I don't mind Nixon. I thought it was all right. Uh, Nixon's got moments. It does. It has moments. But it's, it's certainly not his best. No, no I was joking about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, then, yeah, I mean, you have Born on the Fourth of July, mm. and you have Heaven and Earth. He has that whole Vietnam trilogy, basically. Uh, and I he hasn't really made anything to that level past past natural born killers and nixon era after that you get people who will maybe be fans of u-turn and stuff like that <laughs> i kind of like it um <laughs> but but everything past that he's really kind of been like he's never been the same yeah w and world trade center and all that yeah. stuff yeah so <laughs> so yeah it's got to be between those two right mm-hmm. um all right so uh underrated underrated and then we'll do under scene after that yeah, yeah baby all right i have a couple uh, i definitely want to name off here uh, one is Mr. Brooks. Oh, yeah. nice. With Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Dane Cook. Yeah. It's so crazy. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. Um, this movie is 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is so weird to me. And I am bewildered by that. I mm-hmm. First of all, everyone I've ever talked to in person about the movie likes it a lot, mm-hmm. uh, including me. But I don't even see enough flaws in the film for the for there to be that many critics that didn't like it. Mm. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Uh, I, so I, I felt so out of place when I saw this score. I was like, well, that is definitely underrated. Well, and there's a that's a movie that's definitely got... What proves your point here is that the IMDb has it at like 7.3 or so. Okay. So it's, in general, people love that movie. I remember when it came out, uh, I remember watching it and going, man, that was really good. And there was talks of that being a big, huge movie franchise, like franchise yeah. if it if it did well, and it of course didn't. Um, but man, what we I think we lost something there. If we if we could have gotten a franchise no, what, out of that, what do people not like about that movie? I mean, it's it's really well, really I, great for like what I it said, is. I think people liked it. I just don't think they spread the word mm. enough to get people to come out and see it when it mattered. Yeah. Uh, now you may have a bunch of people who enjoy it and love it or whatever, but you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, now it's been, what, 10 years since it's come out? Something like that? Yeah. Kevin Costner's even older. And, is Dane Cook and, still alive? Uh, and I think he is. Okay. <laughs> I haven't heard anything from him. Yeah, I love yeah. that part. We can't prove that he's not. He's probably <laughs> in Vegas. We'll probably see him probably next week. Probably is. <laughs> I love that part when he's pissed himself because he's so freaked out of what Dane Cook has. Mm-hmm. And he's basically threatening Costner, you know, I'll, tr- I'll tell him, I'll turn you in. He's like, who are they going to believe? Me or you? I'm a respected doctor. Like I'm not the one that just left my DNA all over the floor. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? All right, so I've got one that's underrated and probably underseen. Mm. It's a movie called Suicide Kings. Okay. Oh wow! I I saw this a long time ago. (laughs) I haven't seen it in forever. I think it was a play before it turned into a movie, and it plays like like a stage play. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's got like a veritable. Who's who of potential in the 90s? Yeah. It was 97. It was Jay Moore, 
Jeremy Sisto, Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, Henry Thomas, like all these like young up and coming um, '90s stars. Christopher Walken, yeah, and which is where, Walken, yeah, yeah. which is where I believe Jay Moore ended up getting his Christopher Walken impression. Was oh based yeah, on yeah. That. Because he tell he tells a story about like Jay Moore's dog, or uh-huh. something. Jay Moore talks about his dog, and Christopher Walken's like, "I'm concerned about your dog." <laughs> <laughs> and it tells this whole story. Jay Moore does, um, <laughs> but it's great, man. They uh, uh, Christopher Walken plays this mob guy, and they kidnap him uh, to 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 try to get money to to get this get the main character's sister's sister back and they start off by cutting off his finger hmm. and he's hooked up to all like oh, this contraption IV drip uh, cuz Jeremy Sisto's character is is a medical student and it plays really really interestingly it's not the greatest movie in the world but it's it's smart and it's funny and it's witty and in the meantime while they've got this kind of scene set up dennis leary is christopher walken's henchman and he's looking for him all this time Mm -hmm. so he's like doing his own investigation and just like beating the shit out of people and like trying to find christopher walken eventually uh well i won't spoil it but anyway it's 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 very interesting it plays very tight it's a pretty quick movie and it's it's like thirty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Um, it's definitely underseen, and I think very much underrated. It's a good mm. movie. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right up into the muck here, and it'll probably be a divisive one. But Pain and Gain. Ah, right. actually, I've never seen this, mm-hmm. but everyone I know who has uh, really liked it. Actually, yeah. but that's basically you and one other guy. Right. I, I mean, M- Michael Bay. Obviously, uh, you know, when you watch his movies, it's it's uh, it can cause headaches. And they should really like they should really put symptoms down mm-hmm. like can cause ha- headaches pregnant women shouldn't see them um you pregnant know <laughs> your kid will come out stupid um and pain and gain is not like a smart movie by any means i mean at least the characters aren't so it's it's one of those where you're sort of uh dwelling around with all these like just you know bottom feeder mm-hmm. guys or whatever but Michael Bay seems to be better when he's not doing these big, huge action special effect movies. I don't know what or why. And Pain and Gain, I don't, I don't know what kind of rating it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll look it up real quick. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure because it's Michael Bay that you know nobody really liked it. Or well, how do you watch this movie? Did you go into it with super low expectations and were just Obviously, like, because uh, anything Michael Bay related yeah, yeah. Is, is generally, I'm going to consider that trash until I'm proven otherwise yeah. at this point. yeah, uh, He does not d- deserve the benefit of the doubt. Um, but it is one of those type of crime movies where just like, the stuff that happens in it, like they'll they'll do stuff and then they'll be like, it, like the rock is like doing narration and, and everything. So, well, this is not exactly, I mean, it's kind of like how big short did it later uh-huh. on. Like, it's like, it's like well, the difference between what really happened and, the, and, and here, you know, they'll go through all that type of stuff. You know, they'll go through the difference between what really happened, what happens in the movie. Um, but it, and, and it's, and it's hyper edited. Yeah, it's yeah. got a lot of stupidity in it, but for whatever reason, this time it works because it's just, it's not a big dumb action movie. It's just it's uh, it's a big dumb crime caper or whatever. Is it's, it kind of like Bad Boys? <sighs> no, I mean, what? Okay. How do you mean? Meaning that you know a, a buddy action as movie, much comedy as action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's trying to make you laugh, even mm. though these guys are doing horrible things. Like that's the thing about that's one conflict you might have in this movie. <laughs> is that they're trying to make these guys seem like good guys and they're doing horrible, awful things. (laughs) Uh, But, um, 
but uh yeah i mean it's it's worth a look now i haven't seen it in a while but i remember coming out of it going hey i kind of <laughs> like that it seemed to be the consensus yeah I mean, it has, has enough moments in it to recommend to somebody, you know, and, and Michael Bay very rarely does that. Yeah. It's that and the island and, and maybe the rock. And that's about it yep, for me, yeah, that's about which it. are the three of his movies that are having the most fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Mean, well, and some people will put yeah. bad boys in there too. I mean, it's, I mean, bad boys has got its moments too. This mm. is his first movie before he got really crazy, but yeah. Um, I'm Mike Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I keep tripping over my shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, uh, what about underseen? Boy, I have a lot I want to mention. Uh, Bring it. I've I've mentioned Safe Men before. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've mentioned Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels before. Mm-hmm. Both underseen and both great. Uh, but I want to talk right now about a movie called The Lookout. Yeah. Oh, nice. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, and it's it's one of two movies I'm going to mention where a security guard at a bank gets roped into a heist of that bank. Mm-hmm. Come back to the other one later. Uh, this is written and directed by Scott Frank, uh, The Lookout is. Scott mm-hmm. Frank is the writer of Logan mm-hmm. and Out of Sight, as an example. Um, hasn't directed a bunch of stuff. Um, and I hope that's enough to rope you in, because this is a, it's a very small movie. Um, it, it doesn't have a lot of twists and turns. It's just basic, because he's, he's a little bit handicapped mentally. Like, he's slow. Mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, mm-hmm. and he's being taken advantage of. Um but how everything unfolds, I think, is really watchable and fun. Um, and it's just it's just a movie I've never heard anyone talk about at all. And it came on like six months ago, and I watched it just on the power of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, and I was really glad I did. This mm-hmm. is a great movie. I haven't, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it since it's come out. Yeah, me neither. Um, but, uh, but man, it's great. It's yeah. a great movie. Yep. I mean, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, these movies, you know, when you see the title of it and when they're at what point in the uh, year they come out, you know, that they're, they're not going to do anything. Right. They, they're hoping that they get a big hit out of it, but, um, they always just sort of come and go and nobody ever gets to see them. I, I hope out of this podcast, we get people to see the mm-hmm. lookout cause that's a good, it's yeah. a really good movie. Um, one other one I want to throw out that's probably better for underrated, but it's also underseen. It's a movie called empire state. You ever heard of this movie? Mm. Me neither. Till about two <laughs> days ago when it came on TV. Let me tell you who's in this movie. Luke Hemsworth, Michael Aaron Giannino guy from sky high. <laughs> um, <laughs> Turtle from Entourage, <laughs> Ziggy from season two of The Wire, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. What? I kid you not. And I'm like, this is one of those moments where I'm like, how does a movie with these people get made? And I never hear about it, ever. His dad, Luke uh, Hemsworth's dad is played by the guy from The Wire season three? No, season two, the, the Greek boss, not the old, oh, old guy, uh-huh. but uh, the guy under him with the beanie cap. So the premise of this movie is Hemsworth is a security guard at some kind of armored car depot distribution center where every now and then there's a truck full of money left over one night and then it gets picked up the next day. And his friends basically uh, coerce him into becoming part of this bank robbery and they go to rob the bank that night. But before they can, the cops show up. Dwayne mm-hmm. The Rock Johnson, because they've gotten a tip. Somebody's going to hit this bank. And then somebody does, and it's not our guys. Oh. And there's a shootout. And then our guys go, well, the cops will never expect us the bank to be robbed the next night <laughs> after this. So they try to go through with it again. Everything goes to hell. Uh, it's not great. <laughs> 
I think it was like a 5.5 on IMDb because I don't think it ever hit theaters for uh-huh. some reason. But it's one of those movies where the, the cast is so uh, A-list yeah. and they're all good enough actors and you don't really know what's coming. So you kind of just keep watching to see where it's going to go. Uh-huh. There's like a really powerful uh, Colombian drug lord. There's like a really powerful Greek gr- criminal. <laughs> and I looked it up afterwards. This is based on a real heist in the 70s in New York. Really? Because there's one point where somebody's talking to Rudy Giuliani, and he, at that point, he's <laughs> like the DA or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, this was a heist that really happened. They decided to put together a dr- dramatic version, cast it with a lot of great people, and then they made us, you know, basically an average movie. But it's it was better than I expected it to be for hmm. something I had never heard of. Usually, if a movie like that has that many names you know, mm-hmm. and you've never heard of it, there's a reason. Yeah. It's a big flaming turd they didn't <laughs> yeah, want you to see. Exactly. Uh, this is not that bad. I, th- I found it quite enjoyable. This is a Hemsworth. This is the third Hemsworth brother? Well, who are the first two? Is it Liam Hemsworth or Luke Shit, Hemsworth? Shit, I said Luke. It's Liam. It's okay. the one that's, uh, you said Liam at first, I oh, think. Okay. And then well, you it's said the one Luke. engaged to Miley. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Liam. Yeah, it's Liam. The less charismatic one. Yes. So, Underseen. Underseen. I think Nightcrawler is Underseen. Yeah, you're oh. probably right. I think it is. Man, that's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a comfortable movie to watch. No. <laughs> It'll make you feel. I mean, all these movies cast the criminal as the protagonist. Like mm-hmm. in the town, you you feel for Ben Affleck, even though he's done some shit in in his life. And The Godfather, you find you feel for Michael Corleone, even though he's the worst person in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Nightcrawler never makes you want to to root for this guy, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. You just kind of. He's your eyeballs. Like he, he takes you through this whole thing, mm-hmm. and it's 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 skeezy, but it's compelling. Yeah. It's really really good stuff. Rene Russo is awesome. Oh it's yeah, too, man. Uh, uh, it's yeah, it's super dark. And this is yeah, I think this is the movie that officially sold me on Jake Gyllenhaal. Even though I, I saw a tweet from t- Jeremy last night about some movie that apparently he sucks in. So okay, it's Ockjaw. Yeah. This I I want to talk about this movie. Okay. This is the new movie from Boong Joon Hoon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. the guy that made Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. After watching Okja last night, it's, it's a Netflix original. Uh-huh. I want to watch everything this guy makes. Really? Because he is so far outside the box in creativity, he doesn't even know a box exists. Huh. Um, but the the one drag on this movie is Jake Gyllenhaal because mm-hmm. he, you know, remember how far over the top, um, what's her name was in Snowpiercer, the bad guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Be a shoe. That, oh, you know. Tilda Swinton? Yeah. Yeah. And she's in this movie, too. Um, he goes that far, but nothing else in the movie is going that far up. <laughs> He's like an over-caffeinated Jack Hanna, American zoology uh-huh. expert guy mm-hmm. who is in several scenes, but he's playing it like Jack Black in Tropic Thunder. Like, no. he's just so far over the top. Uh, it was it was hard for me to like that performance, but everything else about the movie is fucking magical. Really, and, you and really liked it? Brilliant! I liked it a lot. I really did. It's it's message heavy, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I really liked it a lot. I want to see what this guy does moving mm-hmm. forward because mm-hmm. he just doesn't not give a shit how they normally do movie making, and uh, it's exciting. Anyway, but so, in, in awesome. reference to Nightcrawler, though, the, uh, I I just sort of officially got on board with Jake Gyllenhaal with that. Uh, he's been in some interesting movies over the years and you're like, okay, well at least he's trying to be mm-hmm. an actor and everything, which is not what you see a lot of stars do these days. You know, yeah. he's really picking some really like, you know, dark and like interesting territory to go into. 
especially if you look at some of his Denis Villeneuve movies, he's really good in uh, Prisoners and mm-hmm. uh, Enemy. Did you mm-hmm. see the Demolition movie? I had not. No. Oh, it's it's good. Is it really? It's really enjoyable. He's his wife dies, and he kind of slowly starts to lose it mm-hmm. and gets fascinated with taking things apart. Yeah, yeah. Destroying things, eventually houses. Uh-huh. Uh, I found it really enjoyable. He was really good in it, though. Mm-hmm. Doesn't By the he way, befriend a, a young child? Yeah, he does. So it's a bad sanity. <laughs> Not quite. He does befriend a, a young child. Um, uh, on my underseen, out of the ones that I now. We mentioned Lone Star before. Oh, so yeah. Good. Uh, and I do want to mention it here. Go go find Lone Star. Yeah. That movie is a huge cast, a great mystery, uh, much like L.A. Confidential. goes over generations yeah. Yeah. as far as the mystery is concerned. Uh, fantastic uh, performances from Matthew McConaughey and mm-hmm. Chris Cooper. Yeah. Uh, what a what a great movie that is and and nobody ever talks about mm. it uh and in fact i think i saw something i was looking up its rating one time i was like no that's that's way i know when it came out it got critical praise yeah that's no, the only reason i ever watched i mean it. it's got a 7.6 on imdb that's good but I, I remember seeing something i think it may have run it see you never you never pay attention to the Never pay attention to Netflix ratings and never pay attention to like uh, Comcast. Comcast. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Because all the worst people in the world are watching these movies and they're like, well, shit, there ain't no titties in that. <laughs> mm. uh, just yesterday I saw a Friends episode where they were going to go to a movie, but Joey didn't want to go if it didn't have action. And they were saying he only wanted to see action movies. He said, hey, hey, I can watch a movie without action. As long as it has nudity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I want to recommend Lone Star again for people who have not heard that movie before because it's fan fucking tastic. It's yeah. early McConaughey, right? Like yeah, uh, yeah. 96? Yeah, it's 96. Yeah, so and, same year as Contact? Yeah, Contact came out the following year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, he had, had sort of that semi breakout with Dazed and Confused, although I'm not sure that people were like all about some McConaughey yeah, after Days and Confused. Uh, it, that took time for people to start quoting that movie. Uh, I know in Hollywood, he was extremely well sought after after that movie, though, because that's when he got Time to Kill, which also came out in 1996. Oh, yeah. yeah, also yeah. had Chris Cooper in it. Oh, yeah. Um, also, totally watchable. Yeah. Definitely. And, and that's a huge cast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody's Tremendous in cast. that movie. Mm-hmm. Name a person. He's yeah, in he's there in the movie. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, Lone Star, great. Uh, I'm going to uh, pick out one that I just recently saw, and that's Lucky Number Slevin. Ah, this is Josh. Josh Hartnett, who I tend to not like. Yeah. Also, you want to talk about guys I haven't seen in 10 years? Where's he been? Uh, I saw him in Wicker Park. Did I tell you this story? No. I literally saw him in at a playground my kid was playing with his daughter or his kid i don't know if it was a son Jesus, or daughter dude we're uh, like that's like hollywood up there you trick-or-treated <laughs> at theo epstein's house you saw but i saw him in wicker park what? he was in wicker park the movie oh i didn't know that <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> i looked over and i texted my wife and i was like i'm at a playground with josh <laughs> and she said who yeah exactly <laughs> i feel like channing tatum is taking all the josh hartnett roles these days <laughs> yeah. That's true. I, I I don't know. I've had I, it was weird. I was watching I was watching this and I was like, man, I've always had this weird hang up about Josh Hartnett, and I don't know what it is exactly. I think it was the first my first like um, 
my first introduction to him was, I believe it was Halloween H2O. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe it was that movie that just set me off on Josh Hartnett for the mm-hmm. rest of every movie he was in after that. Like everything. It's kind of like Ryan Phillippe, a hated heck guy too, for yeah. whatever reason. Um, I'm sure they're sweet people in real life. You hated Ryan Phillippe because he married Reese Witherspoon. Oh, that was that. That was yeah. that. Um, you know, taking all our Nashville girls. That's right. Um, but uh, no, Lucky Number Slevin um, is this movie about... Uh, so it's got this beginning part where uh you see a kid and his dad at a horse race track or whatever and this guy's gotten this information and they go through this whole like how did he get this information it's all the way basically like somebody tells somebody something somebody overhears something Mm -hmm. somebody tells that somebody something and so so he's got this like sure thing uh horse that he's gonna he's gonna get you know to he's gonna put all his family's money in on it mm-hmm. and the guy and the horse is gonna win but it breaks his leg it breaks his leg oh. towards, towards the end so uh he owes all these gangsters money and all this other stuff so then the movie fast forwards and um and we have josh hartnett who's like found himself in this weird situation where like all these bad things keep happening to him and uh, eventually he gets mistaken for this one guy that these two gangsters want him to do a job for him both mm. and these gangsters hate each other both of them hate each other and they both want different things out of him so you have morgan freeman in one tower and you have ben kingsley in another tower uh-huh. and uh so morgan freeman te- you know tells uh tells josh hartnett that you know i want you to kill uh, this guy's son for me because he killed my son mm-hmm. and everything. He's like, and, and Josh Hartnett just keeps telling him, I'm not the guy you're looking for and all this kind of North by Northwest. They, right, even, right. they even reference that movie in the movie. Um, and so it's a lot of this, you know, playing off of each other and like, what is he going to do? And all this other type of stuff. Bruce Willis is in it. Mm-hmm. And you know, And he's obviously sort of puppeteering a lot of this behind the scenes he's gone to both morgan freeman and ben kingsley mm-hmm. and tells them this is what i want this character to do this is what i want josh hartnett to do and um and so like it's all this big huge setup and then of course it's got so many like nice twists and turns to it fun movie um yeah it is i remember it when i watched it when it came out well, but it just didn't stick with me I yeah guess. and and i i was under the impression this was a movie that um that people just generally like ah it's okay or whatever but it's got a 7.8 on imdb really which is really high huh um i remember when it came out people saying this is really good and and i it was one that i actually missed for whatever reason it came out in april of 2006 which was just i was like that was the month that i believe i left for new york oh yeah so i i, I missed some stuff like that that mm. was coming out and um uh, but uh, it was it's uh, it's way better than I thought it would be. Uh, when I first saw this movie come out, I was like, "Oh, that's that's probably not good at all." But and I hadn't watched it until recently. Well, it was marketed, if I remember correctly, it was marketed as kind of like a Pulp Fiction, yeah, Smoke and Aces type of knockoff type yeah. of thing. But God, that talent that's involved is no joke. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it's a it's a fun movie with some nice twists in it. It's uh, and Lucy Liu is darling. Mm-hmm. She's darling in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> she is a national treasure in this movie. Like X versus Sever. Yeah, just just like X versus Sever. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Sorry, ballistic X versus Z. That's yes, right. Exactly. That's right. Uh, by the way, uh, now that you mention it, that may be the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, it, it's one of the worst that I ever saw when I was working at a theater. I was sure. I was at I was at my in between theater at the time that movie came out, Bell Forge, mm-hmm. and uh, I was watching. I was I watched that movie. That was when that movie came out, and I I don't think I've had a worse time watching it. Like I, I watching it all the way. Now it was a short movie, right? And it had the story about like yeah, I cut Dungeons and Dragons off in the middle. That's <laughs> yeah. how I couldn't watch the rest of that movie. But that's one I watched the entire thing of, and I was like, <laughs> man, what were they hoping yeah. to come out of this? At this what was, point <laughs> in this did they think they had something good? Apparently, it was one of those movies where they chopped like. Uh, like 40 minutes out of it or something like that and it ends up being like an hour and 20 minute movie oh my god not, oh, i mean it's, bad. it's not good okay so is there anything else that you guys wanted to bring up i've got a few movies that i can that we can talk yeah let's about. let's go through honorable mentions because we've got a bunch um under my best i also wrote the departed yeah oh yeah. another movie where someone wears a wire that's right yep um, I have No Country for Old Men in there. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. Of course, we've talked that a, a bunch about that one. You know, going back to The Departed, because you mentioned in Donnie Brasco, he becomes, in almost all of these like immersive uh, undercover uh, movies, they end up becoming what, they, they don't, what they're investigating, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And The Into Departed. Deep. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking The Departed, like he's got a pretty clear separation throughout, right? He never well, really goes... All the way in. I, uh, yes and no. I think he has at least half the same journey because we see him beating the hell out of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see him, you know, setting fires and, you know, he's doing thuggy, crimey stuff. Uh, and the whole reason he even has any relationship with the therapist at all is because he gets so conflicted about mm. what's going on. But but unlike, you know, most of these movies, by the end, he's, he's trying to do the moral thing. He's mm-hmm. trying to arrest Matt Damon. He hasn't turned into Matt Damon. Right, right, right. Um, course he doesn't get the chance but yeah he's um he's there's he he does find a way to dodge a lot of the things that johnny depp does though in Mm -hmm. donnie brasco uh all the all the real major shit i mean he lets other people kind of kind of do it and he sort of stands in the background there um so you know he avoids a lot of these little you know shit jobs that jack nicholson keeps keeps bringing up and finding a way you know to keep some of his you know good guyness in that yeah it always seems like he's got one foot out the door yeah which is which is a little bit rare right um i mean because in that whole scene where he walks out of the the club and they're like you're a cop yeah and he's like what the fuck, uh, fuck you what are you fucking yeah. you talking about you know you didn't he didn't uh look at us so you're you're definitely a cop yeah and like uh you can tell like he's always got that cop brain working throughout this whole thing yeah yeah, yeah, it's fantastic yeah. movie. Um, I also uh, list the French Connection here. Yeah, all right, um, Popeye. That's right. The second uh, best car chase. Second ever. best car chase to the <laughs> Matrix Reloaded, according to Christian Harlow. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> we just gave him more shit this episode <laughs> than we did when he was on. Well, he's yeah. not here. Yeah, exactly. He's not here, so it's easier. Um, but no, the French Connection has got a great mystery to it great mm. mystery um i love the scene where they're like tearing that car up looking for all the, the evidence and everything mm. uh gene hackman is just absolutely fantastic yeah. in this movie by the uh, way have you seen french connection 2 
I have not. Uh, I was watching that the other day. Didn't watch the entirety of it, but that's really good. Oh, yeah? And I was looking it up. It's actually pretty highly regarded, too. Oh, yeah? But you don't hear about people talking about The French Connection, too. I do have that movie, of course, like mm-hmm. everything else. <laughs> like every other movie yeah, ever made. Like every movie ever made, I have it in that collection, but I haven't seen it. Um, I also put in uh, City of God. Yes. And uh, Simple Plan. A simple oh, nice. Plan, I think deserves to be in the underrated category yeah yeah because it's so it has so many surface similarities to fargo that i think it got overlooked Mm -hmm. um and that was on a few months ago and i watched it for the first time so i think since theaters everybody's really good in that Mm yeah bill paxton is awesome Mm -hmm. but billy billy bob thornton it's just killing oh, it. He's awesome. Oh, movie. it's such a great watchable movie. That's, Another movie where everything falls to shit. Yeah, that's Sam Raimi sort of going over the uh, the territory that his friends, the Cohen brothers, uh, were, went over and everything. And he does a really nice job with that one. That's a great movie. Uh, and my favorites, I, uh, I mentioned Wall Street. Uh, there's also Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zodiac. Mm-hmm. We've talked about those ad nauseum. Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sting. The Sting yeah. is almost got my favorite. Yeah, over Untouchables. Oh, the, it's that good. The Sting <laughs> is so so fantastic. And Jackie Brown, another one oh, that yeah. I know we agree on. Oh, um, yeah. So I th- those are all good in the favorites in the underrated. I've. <laughs> she goes. So you want to fuck? He's like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, a, what, a minute and 47 yeah, and seconds? Like, oh, yeah. It's the unsexiest sex scene ever. It really ever. is. Yeah. Just, just a, people, a bunch of people heaving and shit. And pounding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um, in the underrated, uh, I've mentioned this before, and of course nobody's with me, but the Lady Killers is one that I have in mm. my underrated. Um, uh, it's a, you know, it's definitely not the Cohen's best or anything. I think it got unfairly shit on. I think it's, I think it's a lot better than. I people do like get. how fast it all falls apart. Yeah, and how how small the gap starts getting between scenes of them throwing bodies over the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed The Lady Killers. I mean, I mean, enjoyed it for, I think, what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's really aspiring to be a big, uh, awesome Coen Brothers movie. On the underseen, I have The Killing, Stanley Kubrick's 1956 heist movie. That's another one that involves a horse trait. I think you mean or, heist. Heist? <laughs> you know, like the singer, Feast? <laughs> 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 Sorry, I was doing a Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. <laughs> what I, I didn't hear, I don't remember that from the the Dark Knight Rises video, the Cinema Sins video. That was one of the sins. Heast. Oh, because it's misspelled. Yes, on, on, in the movie somewhere. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, that shit was four years ago. <laughs> yeah. You gotta cut me a little slack. Um, but uh, the killing is another. It's a. It's another one based on a. It's a horse race track and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sterling Hayden. Yeah, we were watching it not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. It's a. It's a good movie. Uh, in Bruges. Oh my God! Another great one. Now, <clears throat> this is a movie that juggles comedy and seriousness better than most, mm-hmm. right? Because I think you could watch this movie and laugh so much you walk away thinking it's a comedy, but. Colin Farrell has an arc here. Yeah. He's like tormented and he plays it really well. Like, mm-hmm. Despite all the comedy going on, there's something really horrible going on in that guy's brain. I love this movie. I think, it's, but it's definitely underseen. Yeah. Um, for sure. 
huge Harry Potter connection too with that that movie. Yeah. Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, Brendan Gleeson. You mm-hmm. got uh, Ray Fiennes, mm-hmm. and you got Colin Farrell, Colin who's Farrell. in the Fantastic Beasts. Grindelwald. Grindelwald. You have Grindelwald and Voldemort in the same movie. Oh yeah. You know what I was shocked about the other day watching Shakespeare in Love? Mm-hmm. There's hardly anybody from Harry Potter in that movie. <laughs> like That's usually, yeah. <laughs> usually you watch a movie with a bunch of with <laughs> a bunch of British Maggie people. Smith in there or something. <laughs> when you see a movie with a bunch of British people, you're like, oh yeah, all these people have been in Harry Potter at least once. <laughs> and, and there's only like one dude who plays like Ron Weasley's dad is in it. I think <laughs> there's like nobody else. Judy Dench wasn't in one. Joseph uh, Fiennes. Jeff, Joseph Fiennes, Jeffrey Rush, yeah. Tom Wilkinson. Yeah. No. Nobody, uh, like, is there not? Is there not one fucking Harry Potter alum in this movie? That's amazing. <laughs> they dodged it. Um, yeah, they totally dodged. Where it. was the Kenneth Branagh in Shakespeare in Love? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the hell? Where man? was it? Um, uh, anyway, um, so those are. I mean, and those aren't even really touching the surface. This is a huge, yeah, huge is. genre. We've missed. We've missed some. Yep. So in the comments, bring up the ones we missed because we missed a fuck ton. We're going to go on to our next topic now. Yeah. Uh, Special effects movies that really worked. Come with me if you want to live. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Admit one thing. Can't beat the view. Do not let go of my hand. The the, the special effects are... uh, as much a part of the movie as much a part of the success of the movie as anything i guess is sort of the conceit here mm-hmm. um where it actually the these the special effects are not a distraction they right. actually work in the story the first one that i came up with was terminator 2 yeah um i can't imagine that movie without the effects that it has in it mm-hmm. um it it makes that movie such a a higher experience than it normally would have been regular robots chasing each other and fighting each other type movie. Um, the idea of a liquid metal Terminator that can like, you know, like you can, you can destroy him all you want to, but his pieces will always find a way to come back. And, and, uh, and there's so many great moments. And of course there's, there's going to be running a theme through here. Cause you have Stan Winston. Who's a part of this. Mm-hmm. James Cameron is always like almost all of his movies, generally great effects. Yeah. Um, but uh, Terminator two is one of those singular moments where I can't imagine the movie without the special effects. And they're done so well, obviously. Still hold up. But even if they weren't done, done well, don't you think you would still like hold that movie in high regard because of the way it fits into the plot. Yeah, I mean, movie. because Terminator, the first Terminator, had for its time good effects, but yeah. those are don't hold up Very as well. Very old now, yes. But, but yeah, that's exactly what you're saying, that you know, it's still a great movie. Mm-hmm. And this just you know compounds it because it does have that extra leg of, of the amazing special we effects. We have, uh, by the time this episode comes out, the video will have come out, but uh, we have uh, Sins of the, the Patriot coming up. Mm-hmm. There's that scene early on when they go to Charlottetown and they're like, or Charlestown, sorry, and they're walking along the pier and there's all these ships. Yeah, uh, it just looks fake as shit. Oh, and the yeah. sin is something like, well, that's the that's the deal with CG, right? It ages faster than an NFL running back. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I was I was, I have Titanic on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another James Cameron. Yep. Um, but I don't think that I don't think the effects look as good today as they did when it came out. But when they, when it came out. It, 
looked fucking real as shit, man. When that ship breaks in two and starts bobbing in the water and people are falling and hitting the blades. And I mean, yeah. Um, okay, so that movie doesn't I'm, work without CG at all. Right. Because he built an enormous tank and had the a, replica. a, a scale yes. model of the ship. Yes. Right. And how much of that breaking in half, obviously the people falling and everything was CGI, but how much of that was practical versus CGI? I don't do know? know. There, There is a definite combo of those mm-hmm. type of things. I mean, that all, whole thing, I believe, is shot in front of a green screen because um, mm-hmm. they're not in the water, obviously. But there are uh, that first shot where it pans over the whole boat, like, yeah, that's a, there's a lot of CG in that. Yeah. There's a lot of CG. That's well, one of the only times it didn't work. Well, for me. in fact, the, the CG is so bad on those that there you can see like little characters like fucking up. Like yeah. they're, they're <laughs> where they go. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. keeps running into the wall. <laughs> right. What, what is he doing? Yeah, it's like one of those things where you find the uh, you find the glitch in a video game, yeah. <laughs> and it, like you somehow get Mario inside yeah. the rock, and he's just he's just walking around inside the rock, and you can't get him. Out. Um, it's it's like that, but like the whole the whole sinking though is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, I yeah. don't think there's anything in the sinking that you go, oh, that looks shitty today. Oh no, I don't think so. Uh, but it but it is. Uh, I mean, it is part practical too. That's the part of mm-hmm. it. So the impetus for for this topic was that by the time this comes out, uh, the the most recent Planet of the Apes movie will have come out. Mm-hmm. And I think those are essentially the gold standard these days yeah. of, of effects-driven movies. Um, we have obviously haven't seen War for the Planet of the Apes yet, but Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is so good that you, you can't. It, it's almost impossible to believe that these aren't actual simians that mm-hmm. you're seeing running around. Every bit of hair is perfectly rendered. The motion is perfect. The mocap is awesome. Uh, that is just, it, it's really taking it up a notch. Look, if this mind. movie is as good as they're saying it is, and I'm pretty convinced it is, war, mm-hmm. I think we need to we need to make this the year Andy Serkis gets an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever we have to do. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'll go march on Washington. <laughs> yeah. I doubt yeah. that'll help, but I'd do it. Yeah. Just got one sign. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll start a blog or something. Look out. You but, know what? There's always going to be assholes who argue that Yes, while Andy Serkis is doing the bulk of the work, it's the people who put the special effects and like make his. I'm telling you, I saw a video yesterday promoting this movie. It's a minute long. It's a it's a Caesar speech from war and Mm -hmm. it starts on Andy Serkis in the mocap gear. Uh-huh. And over the course of it, it fades into Caesar in the movie, uh-huh. and that will give you the appreciation. And yes, wow. the artists are doing amazing work, but the the performance is still him. Well, and then you can yeah. see it. The idea then is to send everybody who's an asshole that video, then because yeah. that's yeah. what everybody. Uh, there was talk, even though I didn't agree with it, that Zoe Saldana should have gotten nominated for Avatar back in the day because of. You know, Ugh. and she's basically animated, you know, bullshit in that movie. Yeah. Not so- talking about Zoe Saldana. Yeah. <laughs> just, just talking about her character is just animated. Um, and uh, and there was just talk that she should have gotten nominated for that. But then everybody's like, well, yeah, but uh, aren't the makeup of the, um, the, spe- the special effects guys just as responsible for her performance as, as you know she what? is? Let's just get it. Let's create a new goddamn category. Yeah, give it to them, that's too, the, man. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Like, they... They are so reticent to come up with new categories. Like, there's been people talking about doing uh, Oscars for stunts for years. Yep. 
more like it's been decades and and for whatever reason they never back off of that but they'll still give out these boring ass other awards yeah. like you know stunts would be awesome you can you can imagine what they could do at the oscar ceremony yeah, yeah. by having stunts as an oscar well, and how much more yeah. watchable it would make it yeah. yeah absolutely so that's the way they should be thinking so I'm, I'm i'm looking out for your best interest oscar <laughs> um but uh yeah man those movies are I don't know what it is. Is it because they're apes that is it because I mean is it because they're apes that it's so easy to make them special? I good? was almost asked that because and again I know I'm on an island here with regard to Favreau's Jungle Book but, mm-hmm. and maybe even Life of Pi, but the animals in those movies look nowhere near as perfect as the apes do, and I'm wondering if it's like a species thing, like yeah. because they're so much they're so humanoid. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's somehow easier to animate them realistically than it is uh, a lion. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know because they they actually do act like apes in that movie. They yeah. they do apish things. Mm-hmm. They communicate, you know, most of the time through sign language and things like that. So I don't know. I don't know why because it it's just absolutely perfect. Well, I, and and more backing up, but more backing up to your Andy Circus thing though. I mean, remember this is the guy who did Gollum, who's obviously mm-hmm. not in any way like a, a regular human life form, even yeah. though he's close. I guess. I mean, uh, whatever. That was the first time we saw that kind of special effect really work with yeah. with Gollum. Um, and uh, so I mean, it could be mostly performance. And there's one guy or two guys. I mean, we can also give uh, Tony Cabell uh, some yeah. some uh, some some love there too. But Toby Cabell mm-hmm. is it Cabell or Cabell? I think or it's Cabell. Cabell. I've, okay, that's what I. So both of those guys are mm-hmm. like maybe they're the only guys who are good at. It. I don't know. Yeah, because you know I don't know. Like uh, they tried that mocap with Polar Express, and everything looks lifeless. And those yeah. are human human beings. They did it with that Christmas Carol with Jim. Yeah, Harry. they did. Ooh, that both was of creepy. those were Zemeckis. Oh, that's like the, the worst Christmas Carol ever made. <laughs> both of those were Zemeckis movies. He was there was this talk about Zemeckis trying to outdo Cameron with his well because he event. did that Beowulf movie too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he had a stretch there where he was like, oh, I'm gonna do. Blah, 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 blah. That's when everything looked like that bullshit Scorpion King from Mummy Returns. <laughs> why do you do that? Because fuck that. Why, why would you want to have regular humans who are terrific actors animated? Now yeah. it makes sense with apes and it makes sense with king kong or something like that but it doesn't make sense if you're trying to take an already capable actor and then animate I, that actor well especially since polar express would be so easy to shoot live action right there's no it's, it's such a limited set there's so much snow <laughs> I, I feel like zemeckis was trying to start some sort of revolution there where they wouldn't even need the actor anymore or whatever yeah, that type I of thing because there was talk about that like see how how good this is like that's the future and we're gonna be having people just have mocap stuff on them all the time and everything. And, you know, you realize how lifeless it is back then, at least. I mean, they could have gotten it better. Who knows? But um, I was looking at some others that, uh, that I wrote down here. Uh, Ex Machina has great special effects. Boy, they have amazing special effects. Seamless. Yes. How the fuck did they do that? Right. You, you're sitting there going, I know that's an actress right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's, it doesn't look like they put a blue cap on her or anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, how'd they do that? Yeah. I mean, I've never, I've actually never seen how they did that. Have you guys ever I seen I haven't, that? no. No. I'm going to have to look that up. But the, the part where she's putting on the skin? Yes. Jesus I heard Christ, they actually man. created an AI android <laughs> for the film. Much like they made BB-8 as a real robot to make Force Awakens. Oh. Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> did it pass the Turing test? I don't know. <laughs> it did. So ironically, <laughs> while making We're the movie, right yeah, while making the movie about that, um, I would also go right back to that Okja movie I watched last night. Are they um, good effects? The only real CG is the pig. Mm-hmm. And the basic premise is they've genetically modified this super pig, and they have 26 of them. I think it's 26. And they send them all out to, like, the best farmer in each region of the world to raise for 10 years. Then they're going to come back with Jake Gyllenhaal later and pick the best one. Mm. And that's the one that they're going to base all the future genetic pigs on that are going to feed the planet forever. Um, and so we hop 10 years, and now he's bonded with this girl. And the movie is sort of her journey to try and save him from his should-be inevitable fate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no doubt in your mind you're looking at CG. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, because I don't even think they tried to make it look super hyper-realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know what, a pig the size and color of a hippopotamus in this shape in this movie, that doesn't really exist. So there's really? no way... To completely suspend your disbelief anyway. And it's almost like they decided to use the performance of the CG as a way to charm you and draw you in. And it, it works amazingly well. A lot of the credit goes to the little girl who's playing opposite nothing, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you, you know, you're never fooled into thinking this is not CGI, but it's, it's, it's I guess, drawn, animated so well in, in terms of its personality and movement mm-hmm. uh, that it really just suckers your brain um, into not caring what the visuals that's a like. cool. That's a cool idea. That's a cool way to approach it because it's almost like a gestalt type of thing. Yeah, yeah. If you if you have this character in here, no matter what it looks like, um, I mean, the same thing with E.T., I guess. You know, like back then you just accepted whatever it was in front of you and then you humanized it or, or uh, personified it and then you become attached to it, yeah. and you don't really care about it. Yeah. That's a good way to approach it. A couple other movies that I thought of on this uh, was The Matrix, obviously. Mm-hmm. Matrix is another movie that I don't think works without its groundbreaking effects. Um, and, of course, you know they invented all sorts of shit just to make that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Matrix is a, another good one. Another one and that then it got worse. It I'm did. sorry to cut you off, but why did it get worse? The technology got better as the sequels came out. Well, the problem is they bit off more than they could chew. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, instead of upping the stakes by two or three, let's up it by 200. Literally, let's make him fight 200 Agent Smiths. And they just simply couldn't invent tech good enough to make that look less rubbery. I know, but within the existing technology, the existing universe that was so groundbreaking, they could have just tweaked it just a little bit. uh, That was such a story that needed to be smaller than what it was by Mm -hmm. the end of it. Like They tried to make it this really big thing. Don't blame them. But it really should have just been, you know, a little bit simpler. Each, I mean, each movie should have been, you know, not going for all this. Yep. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's just it's the way it, it went too far. Mm-hmm. Um, one that you may not think about today, uh, but groundbreaking effects is Babe. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, nice. It's the first time Animal Lips had moved, right? Well, it. It's the first time they made it look good. Yeah, I believe. Like they may have done it before. Of course, they Mr. Ed, the old, you know, <laughs> yeah, where they had like you know they put like peanut butter in, the, yeah, in his that's mouth. Exactly what they did. Um, you know they 
they there's always that joke about uh, them shoving a carrot up his ass to do it. <laughs> they uh, but they also I think they with other talking animals in the past they had like maybe animated something on them and yeah. it looked just bad enough where you're like okay well uh, okay I, I guess I I see them talking like those Conan O'Brien mouths on celebrity faces. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but Babe was the first one that really made it look like they are actually talking yeah. and and there's really like. I mean, I don't haven't seen Babe in forever. Maybe it looks terrible now. No, but, uh, but uh, you look at it and it looks like the animals are talking, and there's not like any digital looking nonsense around their mouth areas mm-hmm. and everything. Um, that was done really well, and it's another one that I can't imagine not having the effects that it has. Yeah, so. that is such a charming movie. I just watched it a few weeks ago with my wife, um, and it holds up super well. The animation, the story, the mm-hmm. way the little mice always chirp to open each new chapter. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a great message uh, that you know you can't do everything, but you can do more than people pigeonhole you mm-hmm. as. Uh, and I love that duck. Yeah, Christmas meets garbage. It's a great movie. Good pick. I also want to throw out Gravity. Yeah, and again, I'm going to say something really dumb and redundant, but can't actually go to space to to film a movie. Uh, (laughs) What? Sure, fucking looks like they did. Wait a minute, they didn't shoot Gravity in space. No, no. Is there gravity in space? They faked it on the same soundstage where uh, Kubrick did the moon landing. Yeah, that's right. That's Um, right. I mean. The terror of this movie doesn't feel real if we don't feel like we're really in space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think much of that movie has so much CGI going on just to create the environment yeah. that we don't really give it enough credit. Because uh, in most cases, a lot of all he's filming is Sandra Bullock in a suit and everything else, the ship behind her that she's twirling away from, the planet, the stars, it's all added in after. And yet... That movie has such a great sense of location. Yep. Uh, I'm just really in awe of how that movie is uh, a technical achievement. But the CG, again, you know, if it doesn't work as well as it does, the, none of the movie works at all. Well, that's one that Alfonso Cuaron made, like invented yep. technology to yep. do to make sure that it, obviously it doesn't go far enough, according to Neil deGrasse Tyson, as far <laughs> as getting the actual gravity uh, correct or right. anti-gravity. Uh, but yeah, he, he went to great pains to get, you know, all these cameras perfectly situated to where it looked as as realistic as possible and if you yeah if you don't have that you don't have the sense of hopelessness especially at the beginning when she's right flipping over oh, all it makes stuff. me anxious just thinking about yeah, it yeah. yeah definitely um and would you consider interstellar in that same uh, group it's got good special effects i just don't know if it's one of those that I do. I think it's got great effects, man. No, it's got great effects. It's. It, I. I do wonder, like, if it's. If it's not. I mean, do we need them though? It's. A, it's one that I'm sitting there thinking. Like, I guess you do in a way. You have to have the little tesseract thing at the end. Mm-hmm. The robots that can. That I love the robots. Crazy mobile, even though they're like clunky metal yeah. things. And, and the wave. The wave. God yeah. damn that wave. Yeah. Um. But uh, speaking of Nolan, Inception. Yeah. It's another one that I don't know if works without the great special effects that it has. That's a movie I'm in awe that somebody could even think of. Mm -hmm. The idea to do that. And then the execution's so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've said it before, I think, but it's... I think one of the things that made the Star Wars movies, the original ones, so good was that Lucas was quite good 
in in a finale at cutting between different segments, right? So we will see, like in Return of the Jedi, we're cutting between Luke fighting, and we're cutting down onto the planet, and then we're cutting up to the ship battle that's going on, and there's three distinct elements to this finale. And Inception does that, but they're all on different levels. Yeah, So they're yeah, all yeah. moving at different speeds. Yeah. And there's different <laughs> effects happening, and that van is falling for like a half an hour <laughs> in the yeah. movie. Oh, it's just, it's, it's almost too brilliant. Yeah, uh, but he he does the visuals perfectly to sell uh, the, the concept. You have to have those effects to do, especially when they're setting up the world building with Ellen Page and DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. And that scene where this is what's happening here. This is what you can do. Uh, if you didn't have that element, yes, you would still have probably a great movie, but that's what makes it excellent. Yeah, yeah. And then sort of building on that, Doctor Strange did yeah. that sort of the same type of Inception kind of effects afterwards. Uh, to great effect, I think, as well. Um, even though, again, I like with a lot of Marvel movies, when you when you see, like, creatures out, out in outer space and everything, they always have this cartoony look to yeah. them. Yeah. So, like, even Doctor Strange, as good as the visual effects are in that movie, it's, like, stuff like that that always sort of takes me out a lot of times. Um, I was watching Men in Black recently, and mm-hmm. I, I think the, that movie has some pretty good effects, but mm-hmm. it's 20 years old now, and you can see a lot of the... You know, the seams in it but there, there it has some of that same quality of like you know you see some of the creatures and it's like it's too cartoony it's too oh, colorful yeah. yeah you know there's you know there's some you know especially that that last cockroach guy at the end yeah. of vincent d'onofrio is playing the mm-hmm. whole time it's like it's like he's just too too much of a cartoon but uh but overall back in 1997 that was pretty good well you're getting that in all the comic book movies even like you said with dr strange but and as visually stunning as that is, there's some times where you see like a rubber neo type of thing when they're when they're bouncing through all that stuff. And fucking Wonder Woman does that. Yeah. And of all the praise that's being heaped on to Wonder Woman, justifiably so, that middle scene in there where <laughs> she's kicking ass is is cool because she's kicking ass, but there's a lot of just like, what the, f- there's a cartoon character on the screen all of a sudden. Highest grossing DC movie ever now. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Nice. Past the Dark Knight. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's it's excellent, but that's well, the type of thing that I don't it's like. A, it's a past the Dark Knight Rises. the The first Dark Knight, it is not like maybe maybe worldwide it is. It might be worldwide. I I will tell you, I I saw a headline, and I'm pretty sure it said Wonder Woman now the highest grossing DC movie ever. I didn't investigate any further than mm. that. I should maybe not just drop that shit casually <laughs> on the podcast when I don't know what I'm talking I, about. I, I think you, I think you're right. It's just that they they're now more looking at worldwide, mm. and worldwide is now they can just totally obliterate what Dark Knight. But would, it's it's made mm. 670 million so far, which I don't think that beats Dark Knight. Um, Dark Knight made 534 domestically. And it made yeah, it's made a bit made a billion dollars. So it has not passed it domestically or worldwide yet. I mean, and it probably won't. Yeah, uh, it's weird about that is that those those USA centric um, movies, which yeah. I guess Wonder Woman fits into. They don't typically, you know, like Captain America and all that stuff. Yeah, you don't see those go gangbusters worldwide. Yeah. Um. All right. Is there anything else that you guys want to bring up? About well, as far as effects. Uh, movies go and speaking of going too far is the lord of the rings trilogy mm-hmm. um as groundbreaking as they are again the shot of legolas swooping down yeah. the elephant and that kind of bullshit and okay that's that's one thing but then 
you always have to up the ante on the battles. Mm-hmm. There's more. There's more orcs. There's more people. There's more of this. And it's like at a, at a certain point you hit like a desensitization where it's like I don't care if they fill this fucking screen, the entire universe with orcs about to attack this thing. I, it it the the sense of space has already maxed out for me. Well, yeah, and in 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 Return of the King when Aragorn comes back with the dead uh-huh. and everything, the the scene where they're like like taking down that big huge beast in the background, uh-huh. even that like sort of like goes, uh, this is a cool scene, but man, it looks kind of jumpy. Yeah, I know, and and it's just like that's a point where I don't think it's needed. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to have Legolas sliding down the trunk <laughs> yeah, of the elf. Yeah, yeah, like it's plenty good without it. I will know? say as as uh, you know, I'm I'm more up with Lord of the Rings effects than I am against them. Uh, but it ain't nothing compared to what he did with the Hobbit. Oh yeah, well, that's true. The Hobbit was a fuck, just yeah. ridiculous movie. Yeah. Okay, so to clarify, the article I read, which is not an article worth writing, by the way, mm-hmm. it the, the headline is "Wonder Woman is the highest grossing DCEU film oh. in the oh, U.S." Oh. So that means Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, yeah. So. All right. That's uh, that frustrates me. Mm-hmm. That we're in an era where people write article, articles about that. Yeah. That we're, we're in between real milestones. Let's make up a mini milestone. Or right. the fact that every goddamn week I see an article on Just Jared. The headline is, does X movie have an end credit scene? Oh, yeah. We're making <laughs> articles about this weekly now for clicks. Yeah. Drive yeah. me fucking bonkers. Sorry, I just had a little rant there. Yeah. Low bar that Wonder Woman had to go over there, although it's very well deserving of what it's getting, but but very low bar it had yeah, to go yeah. over to get to that number one spot. Of, so because with Dark all Knight, those verbs and modifiers that yeah. change. Yeah, seriously. So because Dark Knight wasn't part of the DCEU. Yeah, two letters basically screwed up that whole headline. Fuck. Yeah. Jesus. Um, all right. Anything else about special effects? What do you think? They're special. They are special. They, are they should special. have a special day. <laughs> yeah, I was I was like looking uh, for uh, some inspiration for this topic and everything, and I saw some some movies listed that I would not include. You know, mm-hmm. like oh, I guess Transformers has decent effects, but that effect wears off really quickly yep. for me. Uh, in the first one, it's fine. Then after that, it just I I I can see all the you know the little. The cracks in this whole thing, you know, it just doesn't, it's not as cool anymore. Yeah. So they all run together. Uh, uh, one mentioned a perfect storm, which I know that you guys were mm-hmm. talking about, uh, you know, the, the, as being a good example, especially back then, it may, may still hold up uh, as far as, I don't know. I've seen it. It pretty much does. What's weird is that I think really the only big, obviously set piece or the special effects piece is just the big wave that mm-hmm. takes them yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, the rest of it is, is pretty spot on. I mean, yeah. pretty practical. Yeah. yeah. White squall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready for some Q and a sure, baby question. question. I got something to say. I am listening. What are we? Some kind of white squall squall? <laughs> oh man, I can't. I can't tell you. <laughs> Suicide squall. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite questions of all time. Oh wow! And I actually had to modify it because I thought of an even better question. Nice. So the question was something about if you had to uh, create a musical supergroup using actors that sing or play or singers that act, that kind of thing, who would you do? So I modified it to say, if you were to create a supergroup, musical supergroup, using characters from movies, 
Who would you pick? Ooh, so you cheated somebody I out of did, their question. Man. Oh, uh, because but I, it's all right, because this is better. No, I got a no super offense. group boner after this. Uh, well, and what's funny to me is I read through yours, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to stretch to come up with that. Oh, I'm done. And then I was like, well, I wonder who Chris is going to come. Oh, wow, he's got a perfect list. Like, we all found the perfect stuff. I'm so giddy to share this. Yeah, go ahead, man. All right, so uh, my lead singer is going to be Jimmy from That Thing You Do. Jimmy. Yeah. He's a punk. He's the prick. He treats Liv Tyler bad, but boy can sing. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, I quit. <laughs> I quit. I quit, Mr. I quit. White. <laughs> um, my lead guitar is going to be Jason Lee from Almost Famous. Yeah. Nice. Fever Dog. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Not Jason Lee. The other guy. Jason Lee's the singer. Billy Crudup? Billy Crudup? Is he Billy the... Crudup is the lead guitar player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's who's been... Give me a bit. Keys, Bill Murray from Groundhog Day. Yeah. His father he was has, a piano mover. Yeah. Yeah, well, he also has like 10,000 years of experience. Yeah, that's so right. You can, he can play anything. <laughs> Uh, on bass, I'm going to go uh, back to that thing you do with Wolfman. This is the guy they have to replace uh, oh, Ethan Embry with. Uh -huh. yeah. He goes missing, and he does that lick to show <laughs> off, because they're like, can you handle our tune? He's yeah. like, I think I can handle it, Junior. <laughs> I love that scene. And everybody just goes, okay, all right. I love that scene so much. <laughs> so great. Um, and four drums, Animal from the Muppets. Oh, you yeah. can't go wrong with that, man. Right? Yeah, you really yeah. could have the whole Muppet band. You could. This, I just but... wanted some variety. And then for background vocals, I want the kids uh, who do background vocals on School of Rock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ooh, la, la, la. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> la, 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 la. Yeah. So that's my band. <laughs> Fucking awesome question. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, all right. So on mine, I have for piano slash vocals, Jason Siegel. From Forgetting Ooh. Sarah Marshall. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Peter Brother. <laughs> Once I got that, I had to come up with some more comedic foils behind him. Uh -huh. So uh, in bass guitar, I have Harry Shearer, Derek Smalls. <laughs> this is Spinal Tap. That's interesting. I thought about putting uh, uh, the Michael McKeon character in there, too, because yeah. they all play bass and big bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and and you know when you come up with this the spinal tap you're like I have to consider the entire band yeah right? exactly it's like I've Except already the drummer. got I've already yeah exactly that's the, that's a great thing like you have Ed Bagley Jr. doing one like in the 60s or whatever they all die um but uh, but yeah it's like yeah, I already have my super group this is spinal tap man yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, on lead guitar I have Michael J Fox Marty McFly Back to the Future oh yeah awesome nice. awesome and by the way as an aside. I, this is like the third time I've completely derailed us. I'm sorry. <laughs> Satellite Radio the other day was interviewing Chuck Berry's son. Mm -hmm. And Chuck Berry is, of course, who the guy in Back to the Future calls. Chuck Berry did. Yeah, Marvin, his cousin, called Chuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he did uh, the song. Johnny B. Johnny Good. B. Johnny Good. B. Good. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> anyway, so that guy had a fascinating life. Like, they wouldn't let him walk in the front door most of the venues he was playing because he was black. Wow. Chuck, are you talking about Chuck? Chuck Berry. Really? Yeah. And there was one gig where the promoter took off in the car that was supposed to be for Chuck Berry to go home in. Oh, so the next time he played a gig in that town, he was so much more famous, he drove his car up onto the sidewalk and parked in front of the front door. Wow. <laughs> anyway, wow. Back to the Future made me think of that. Wow. Um, uh, Chuck Berry is a complicated cat, man. Yep. Uh, people, uh, people. Well, when were... he died, there was a lot of like, you had to kind of go, well, legend in rock and roll, also a legend at being a bastard off the... Exactly. You know. Exactly. And that got, that got very much swept under the table, with, especially with music publications. They were yeah. just like, oh. Oh, this legend, this wonderful, all these wonderful obituaries. Yes, he was super influential, uh, but he also filmed women going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. can't really overlook that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. As an aside, yeah, yeah. As an aside, I think it's I think it's perfectly okay to talk about somebody's legacy and talk about the shitty things that they did and mm-hmm. can separate those two things. Yep. And and yeah, I understand that maybe in some of these cases they shouldn't have careers after those things that they did. Mm-hmm. But those things are separate to me. Yep. They don't they don't make any difference one All way or the other. All of our heroes are probably assholes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably. They probably everybody's got a thing. A mm-hmm. thing that if we found out we wouldn't like them <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um uh to to round out my band I have Rain Wilson Fish the rocker on drums. Oh, All right. So nice. he's I had never seen that movie. So he's a drummer and he's he's trying to bust into the music industry. Yeah, it's like a YouTube sensation type oh. thing and he plays naked. Oh, that's <laughs> I, I, I bury the lead. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that sells me on the movie more or less. <laughs> but if I, it, well, look, I, I at first I thought Miles Teller and Whiplash, but he doesn't go Ooh. along with those guys. No, 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 he's. And then and then I was like Nick Cannon and Drumline. No, can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I had already taken Animal. Yeah, and he already taken Animal, and you had somebody awesome. So yep. I was like, okay. um comedy drummers nice we're gonna do rain wilson we're gonna make him that works he's the naked drummer man yeah baby yeah okay i like your bands man i would listen to your bands i would listen to both of your bands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right so mm-hmm. my singer is gonna be anna kendrick from pitch perfect yeah ah. so you've got just adorableness up front you've got range mm. she does all these mashups so she's able to kind of go in between all that stuff great voice too um my guitarist is gonna be iman from Sing Street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is one of the most fascinating characters I've seen in the last five, five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a musical prodigy. He can play anything, and the lead character shows up, and he's just like, I want to form a band. And he's like, all right. you know. And he goes in, and he just, he's, he's this like mercurial like geek uh, that can just do anything. Mm-hmm. And he's an awesome guitarist. So that's my pick. Good pick. Nice. Um, the flautist in my group. The flautist? Yes. We're going to have like a, a Jethro Tull type of. Definitely. Uh, you have to have a flautist. <laughs> it's going to be Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, oh, who can play some yes flute. Yes. Well, and and he can just appear out of nowhere uh, from, you know. You know. <laughs> oh, I love that scene so much because he's, he's, he starts out with like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh now we got it all right it's so absurd you're just not you're not expecting it oh it's my favorite uh my pianist is going to be sebastian from la la land good ryan pick. gosling mm-hmm. good character um he can definitely perform within different types of bands including john legend's right. shitty jazz fusion thing yep my on drums is going to be garth algar yep from I wayne's like world play. <laughs> man that scene is crazy yeah. too man because he goes at it Dana oh, Carvey can actually he play he slams it down man oh, he's basically awesome. a human animal from the Muppets yeah yeah Um, I had a rough time on bass because I wanted to see, you mentioned Jason Siegel earlier mm-hmm. I wanted to pick Jason Siegel from uh, I Love You Man oh yeah 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 uh, but then I realized that Slapping he doesn't play the bass. <laughs> But he doesn't actually play bass. So Paul Rudd plays bass, and he plays the guitar, mm-hmm. uh, even though Getty Lee plays bass in Rush. So I went with Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. He's got a great and he's good. Bass. Yes. Doom, 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 doom. He's very simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's next? Bob? 
<laughs> and we came here to kick ass. And, and, like, and we, and we want to get to, what is it? We want to get depressed about stuff or something like that. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> yeah, we want to play We want to play punk and get depressed and shit. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember the whole line. <laughs> the people who love Scott. I love Scott Pilgrim, and I can't remember that line. But there's oh, people right God. now who are dying. They're like, that's the exact line is this. <laughs> who is that character? Who is that girl that plays drums in that? Oh, it's um, Allison Pill. Yeah. Yeah, Allison Pill. Oh, God, she's awesome. Yeah. All right, moving on. I love that question. We could answer that question again, and I'd be happy. Moving right along. Footloose and fancy free. Hey, you know the Muppet song. Yeah, baby. Due to the mass adopt adaptation is what I was about to say. Yeah. Do you want to conversate about the adaptation? <laughs> Due to the mass adoption of the DVD format and the overflowing bargain bins at Blockbuster. Blockbuster? My movie collection is largely composed of early 2000s turds like Swordfish and Romeo Must Die. Nice. Two very Four good guys. turds. <laughs> yeah. Which nonetheless were watched many, many times. Do you have any movies that for one reason or another have an unduly high viewage, high viewings to quality ratio Awesome question. Yeah, it is. Uh, although I have to admit, I was stumped for a bit. Uh, that's crazy. Because um, usually, if a movie I don't, I don't like the movie, I don't give it many chances. Mm -hmm. I did discuss this though earlier in another podcast that I've given Mallrats a lot of, yeah. like a lot of line. Yeah. I've watched it five times, <laughs> and uh, and and that was that's the one answer that I could come up with. I'm sure that there's some others, but even stuff like that I mentioned in this episode, like the Lady Killers, I haven't watched that past like a, a second time. When so, did you start really like collecting? Have you always had, like, because you, you lost a lot of your DVDs, well, right? Well, I lost my entire DVD collection. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. From moving. Um, I had a I had a small collection of VHS tapes uh, in the 90s, and I started buying Laserdiscs. I still have the Laserdiscs. You still have them? I, oh, yeah. Do you have the player? Uh, no. Oh, man. I could get one, though. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, not that I need to, but... <laughs> You know the thing is the thing is about laserdiscs that you know that make it cumbersome. It's not like getting a record player or right, something like right, that. Right. It's like watching a movie and then like change the side on it. <laughs> oh, fucking ridiculous! Um, but uh, yeah, I have I have a ton of laserdiscs. I used to I used to get those all the time. And then I started a big DVD collection. Mm -hmm. Lost those, but it was it, Blu-rays were coming in at the time, so. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been, I mean, it's more than 20, it's been 25 years yeah, yeah. that I've been collecting movies. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest, obviously I've ever gotten it. To. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like 95% of those are Blu-ray, right? Yeah. There's a few DVDs mixed in cause you can't get some of the things on Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out, do I have everything that I had on VHS and DVD and laser disc over the years? And there's probably maybe one or two that I'm missing. That's it. Like, I had Pink Floyd The Wall on cassette. Uh -huh. I don't have that on Blu-ray. Oh, is that even out on Blu-ray? I'm not sure if it is. Oh, it may man. not be. Hmm. Uh, but I think, I think I've pretty much covered most of my DVD collection. Hmm. Uh, I, don't, I can't call off the top of my head anything that I'm missing from that those days. Mm -hmm. But I do have a, an extensive collection here. I want to see those laser discs. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll whip it out. <laughs> whip it out, man. But that's the one I can think of. 
there might be more. There might be some people who like don't like uh, you know certain movie that I played a bunch of times, but I can't think of anything right now. Mm-hmm. Mallrats is the one though because I've given that movie a lot, a lot of chances. <laughs> You've got mail. Oh, yeah. it's all my wife's fault. No one in the world prefers you've got mail to Sleepless in Seattle. That's true. No one. Because there is a quality disparity between the two. Absolutely. Sleepless mm-hmm. in Seattle is a good movie that even non-girly movie-liking guys can watch and enjoy. Yeah, yeah. You've Got Mail is a schlocky, sloppy attempt to cash in on that pairing yet again. <laughs> My wife adores this movie. I don't know what happened when she saw it. I don't know if she was touched by some kind of magic. Um <laughs> She loves it. If it's on, she will watch it. She will abandon anything else she's watching to watch You've Got Mail. <laughs> and it used to drive me crazy, and now I'm just used to it. It's like white noise. <laughs> it's like, it. Oh, You've Got Mail is on again. I know exactly what every line of dialogue is in this scene, because if I want to spend any time with my wife, I've seen this movie 12 times already. <laughs> and it's a remake. <laughs> and it's a remake. Yeah, <laughs> completely unnecessary. Yeah. Um, a fun turn from Steve Zahn, maybe, or Dave Chappelle, if you're really trying to stretch and look for something positive to say about this movie. I don't know why she likes it, but... How dated is that movie now? I haven't seen it since it came Pretty out. Pretty goddamn dated when it comes to the computer stuff. That's for it's sure. It's like AOL or it's something It's like, like that, AOL. <laughs> the laptops are ginormous bricks. Um, but, you know, I, I try not to pay that much attention when it's mm-hmm. on, but... Mm-hmm. That's probably the shittiest movie I've seen the most. Yeah, yeah. The only other one I thought about answering was Les Mis, but the only reason I saw Les Mis seven times was that I saw it once in the theater with my wife and then six times when I was trying to sin that fucker. <laughs> and it's it's super long, too, it's right? It's super long, and I only I, I didn't really like it the first time, and each successive viewing just grew that hatred. <laughs> yeah, if I could murder a movie, that would be the first one I would murder. I'm pretty sure that's one of our angriest videos, too. <laughs> I know, because it's you have so much potential. Mm. Mm-hmm. With that opening Hugh Jackman number and that Anne Hathaway number in the middle, and that's just that everything else around it is just yeah frustrating. Yeah, I've got a lot of kind of middling movies. Like I, I watched Eight Mile a lot, and Eight Mile is not a great movie by any stretch, but it's not it's not terrific. Man. I think the last third is fantastic. Yeah, but I, I mean, don't have much interest in the first two thirds. Yeah, yeah, it's it, we yeah, 8 Miles one of those movies that you look fondly back on as far as like all the battle stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like all the other stuff Eminem trying to <laughs> trying to emote. Yeah. <laughs> and all that whole the whole thing with Britney Murphy yep. never works. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I can see so what you're saying. One, yeah, so but but I have watched it just mostly because of that last battle there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I had Legally Blonde on here because I've watched that a lot on DVD. Also, somewhat because of my wife. Uh, but that's a, a, a pretty funny movie, too. Mm-hmm. But my biggest one is the Hughes Brothers from Hell. Oh, my. <laughs> Man, I gave up on the Hughes Brothers after the, the second one. Movie, the, on the Benjamins or whatever. Movie straight up. By the way, this is I was not working in movie theaters when From Hell came out. Jeremy was still working at Hollywood 27. He let me in. I watched From Hell. I fell asleep. Yeah, well, I, I don't blame you. I fell asleep in the movie. It's a boring-ass movie. And I woke up and I was like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to go. Like I don't, I can't follow anything else after this. Yeah. I know who knows how long I was sleeping. Oh, it was probably. Dead, I'm sorry, it's Dead Presidents, not all about the Benjamins. Oh their yeah, because they made Dead Presidents is good. They mean they made the Menace to Society, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Dead President, you liked it? 
Dead Presidents? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really hated that movie. It's got oh, a great yeah. soundtrack. No, I love Dead Presidents. Mm-hmm. Now, if I watch it now, it's probably terrible or something. But I don't I- know what compelled the Hughes brothers, who had done Dead Presidents and Minister Society, to do a Jack the Ripper period. They're probably period trying to stretch out. Yeah, it's shitty though. I mean, look, you, you have if you're if you're and these guys are black directors mm-hmm. and they're made to make these like gangster pictures all the time. That you know, it's time to stretch out. No, now, I understand that. Now they could have done something a lot more with it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably what they're they're trying to tone down something. I don't know what it was, that's but it's such a weird movie, man. But yeah, you're right. It's it, it is it is a weird movie. And Johnny Depp's an opium addict. Heather Graham has an English accent and, yeah. and is a whore. Yeah. Um and then She's always she's always playing whores though. Yeah, a hua. Um, <laughs> but uh and ian holmes has this weird and the end ah man it, it's a shitty movie but i've watched it a lot for whatever reason wow, wow. i've never seen it once and now i won't <laughs> thank you barrett if you are a successful writer director or actor but only in a specific film genre like action or comedy what profession would you choose and what genre would you choose to work in I feel like I would be a writer slash director and I would do comedy. So that's, mm-hmm. that's where I would go. Uh, comedy is where you have, I think the most chance to sort of invent a lot of things like you can. And, and I, I like the idea of it all coming together. Like comedy is hard. I think to see in front of you while it's being filmed uh, of it being super funny. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think I think that you know people act these things out a lot of times, and it's like okay, this I think this is funny. I'm not sure it is. It really has to kind of come together, and you have to be a guy that kind of knows, can kind of feel whether this is going to work when you cut it all together and everything. And so, oh yeah, I mean because you we see it in the the sends videos. What's written on the page is not necessarily going to translate with footage, with the way you know it comes off in, in vocalizations and things like that. Well, There's a million different variables you have to put together to make it funny. As an example, back in college, I wrote a, a, a script for a horror movie trailer, for a, and it was a comedy. It was a spoof of one uh-huh. or whatever. Um, and, uh, and I wrote out this script, and I was sitting there imagining it in my head. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so fucking funny. <laughs> And unfortunately, I I can't find it to this day. I would definitely po- <laughs> I would definitely post that shit because I'm a young motherfucker in that, in that video. <laughs> um, but uh, I I did this. I we did this hard trailer. Now I gave the script to because we were it was like a we did this in college. It was a couple other guys that I was doing this with. Uh, they read the script, and we had a whole bunch of scripts that we were trying to do for skits and video skits and stuff. And they read it, and they're like, "Okay, that's pretty good." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh." No, seriously, this is going to be way better than you're giving it credit for. And so we did it. We shot it, you know, in that one night, got edited and everything and everybody. And I remember being in there with the guy who was editing it and everything. And I was like, this is exactly coming together the way I want it and everything. And when people saw it, it's like, yes, that's 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 awesome. I wasn't really thinking about that when I was Mm -hmm. when I was reading the script and everything. So it takes somebody to kind of be able to not only know what's funny written on the page, but to what what looks funny, what's going to be funny later mm-hmm. on. So that's what I would do. Nice. What about you? I too would be a writer, but I would go to the world of sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, it's probably my favorite genre uh, of all entertainment. Um, TV, film, books, comic books are obviously in a sci-fi world. The book that I wrote is in a sci-fi world. Um, I... 
I used to want to be a director. Mm-hmm. I used to want to be an actor. Um, I don't know if I have the right talent for that stuff. Mm. And certainly when it comes to director, sometimes I watch a movie, I'm just like, if I were the director, I would have fucked this up so many different ways. Oh, yeah? Like, I just I just don't have the experience. I don't have the knowledge, the understanding of camera angles and equipment. Mm. Um so I don't think I would want to try because I, I wouldn't want to fail spectacularly at that. Yeah. Uh, but I've been writing all my life and I've been writing screenplays since college. Um, so that's where I'm going to stay. That's my wheelhouse. And nice. sci-fi just lets me do anything I want. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go in any direction I want. That is freeing. Yeah, very yeah. free. I think I'd, I'd like to direct uh, partially of what you just said. Yes, I have no idea about, you know, lenses and this and and angles and things like that. But there's a certain amount of delegation that you can do to the people who do know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, a good cinematographer or a good cameraman or especially good actors. And you get the the most out of them. Um, You could have the greatest screenplay in the world or you could have the greatest, um, you know, editing in the world. And if you don't have a good performance to chop up, then it's, it's, it's kind of dead before it takes off. So I'd like to direct drama, just because I want to get shit out of people, man. I want to, <laughs> I want to be like up in their grills and be like emote, motherfucker. You know, like get them to cry and get them to to feel joy and get that that uh, expression out there. I think it'd be fun as shit. There's yeah. a certain amount of being a director on a film or play that I think is very much like being a general manager of a retail establishment. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was an assistant manager at a Kroger. When asked what that job was like, I used to say it's kind of like. There's 32 different holes in the dike, and you don't have enough fingers, so it's <laughs> got to decide which holes are the most important to, to plug with your fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's a lot of that in directing a movie, right? If you have a really great cinematographer, you don't have to spend as much time worrying about the blocking or the lens, mm-hmm. right? If you have great actors, you don't have to worry about coaching them so much. But It's more about steering all these moving pieces toward yeah. the, the overall vision. I think you'd be very good at that. Thank you. All right, well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, please keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. Yes, please do. Thoughts. These are, in the last episode, we had a lot of good interactions in the comments in the SoundCloud. Keep going to that. Uh, we want to hear from you, and we want to, uh, you know, get back to you and stuff like that. We do. I don't know if you guys notice, but we go back in there and reply pretty yeah, regularly. Yeah. At least for the, the first week of an episode until we put a new one out. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sherr. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasends.com. And I rarely do volume checks because I, I when it, when I hear it, it's like it sounds usually it sounds pretty fine to me unless it's just way off the charts. And uh, I was like, that sounds a little off the charts. And he goes, well, actually, it's it sounds it's it's actually a little bit below pegging it, <laughs> oh but it's God. just the way that scene is. It's so annoying. That... <laughs> Let's talk about how much of a dick bear it is. Well, that will fill an entire episode probably. We should do that sometime. Like, yeah, we should, one day. we should do a roast of barrett that's right never you or me that's right just barrett just barrett because he's the only one that deserves yeah, to be he's roasted. the only deserving little motherfucker that's right well you know i can't really describe in words how much of a dick he is
Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus, I'm an asshole. Oh, the stuff that comes out of my mouth sometimes. And the stuff that goes in, to be honest. That's true. That's so true. Usually it's Barrett. Speaking of Barrett. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, uh, this is unusable. Yes. I I took us to a dark place, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. I am wont to do. That's right. We we, we barely saw the light at the end of the tunnel, but we got our ways back out. I think he's going to the bathroom again. He kind of is. But he went to the bathroom back at the restaurant. He did. He's got got problems. Hey, we were talking about (laughs) you. Did you call me a pee-pee machine? Oh, wait, I did, just now. <laughs> that, that pales in comparison to what I said about 45 seconds ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> That'll be a good surprise when you're going oh, through I can't it. wait. I was watching a little bit of Pineapple Express the other day. That movie grows on you. It kind of does. And, <laughs> um, and, and and James Franco is just, he's just funny because... I don't know. He makes choices a lot of times where you're like, fucking James Franco. But in that movie, I don't know, it works so well because he's sitting there watching like the Jeffersons or something. And <laughs> and, uh, and there's that one line where there's like, that's uh, something I said about my last husband. And he's like, ha, ha. <laughs> he's eating cereal. <laughs> I laugh so hard every time when he tries to kick that police car window out while he's driving. <laughs> and his foot just gets stuck in it. And I, it, it never fails to make me laugh, even though I know it's coming. I like the uh, when the guy comes up, the, the guy comes up to get the, the weed in the middle of when Seth Rogen is over there, and like his friend comes up and he's like, you got any oxy? He's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? I don't have any fucking oxy. Yeah, fuck yeah, you, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what when Seth Rogen starts criticizing him, what he's criticizing him about, but they're out in the woods or whatever, and he's lying on the car, and uh, and you know, and he says something about, I guess, like he doesn't, he's not responsible, or he doesn't, uh, he's not really, I don't know, something about, I don't know what it is, but he, but Franco's like, thank you, <laughs> and uh, and Seth Rogen's like, not a compliment, <laughs> and, uh, and and he, and Franco still got that weird little smile on his face, like. <laughs> Still not phasing me. It's <laughs> a lot of weird shit to that movie. I mean, yeah. like you know the the Danny McBride character being unkillable, yeah. and like uh, Craig uh, Robinson, Craig Robinson in that movie. Like, there's just little parts of that movie that all work together. The first time I saw it, I was pretty underwhelmed. Yeah, uh, and I've probably seen it three or four times total, and every time I like it a little more. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking violent. Like, I didn't yeah. expect it to be that violent. It's pretty shockingly violent. Yeah. And <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is. It's like super violent. It's like, uh, but I just still love that. I love that part where he Rogan's like he's gonna serve him papers, and he witnesses the murder or whatever, and he's like, dude, dude. And then like uh, <laughs> Gary, Gary Cole like shoots that dude in the head, and the blood splatters all over the window, and he's like, he's like smitten there in mid toke, and he's like. <laughs> 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 It's like that Jason Manzukas line yeah. in, in the house trailer. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You better tell your friends. <laughs> I, I must see that movie. I hope you're not under underwhelmed after all all your excitement for it. I hope not either. But... I watch those trailers and I like the more trailers I see, the less I understand what this movie really is about. Mm-hmm. But it does seem pretty funny. Well, the one the one that's like the, the, the first one uh has so much going on in it and i love those like tiny tiny slivers of a look at things yeah. because you're like how did they get to this point and you can see all sorts of different things going on in that where it's just like it looks like they just made it where it's like 
this gets this shit gets fucking crazy <laughs> down in their basement and everything and i and that's what i that's what i'm looking forward to uh, will yeah. ferrell looks like he's back to being will ferrell yeah it looks like a, a vehicle for him did you see that article the other day where um th- it came out that they th- they hired shane black to to be an actor in predator because they secretly just wanted him to doctor the script as no. a screenwriter but he didn't want to do it, so that's why they killed him off so early in the movie. Oh, really? Because they were like, oh, we only hired you as an actor for your writing. If you're not going to write, we're just going to kill you off. And that's, that's what funny. they did. What was this? Shane Black. In, in what? In the original Predator. He's like one of the first guys killed off. Oh, yeah. And it's because they hired him as an actor just so they could use his writing skills to doctor the script, and he didn't want to do that. He was trying to be more of an actor at that point than a oh. writer. And so they killed him off. That's awesome. And now he's directing the second remake. He's oh, actually yeah? directing it, right? Yeah, he's writing and directing it, and uh, I don't know. <clears throat> we'll see. By the way, IMDb, uh, 584 <laughs> votes in. House has a 5.7. That's not a good sign. No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. The house has got a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, <laughs> shit. This is a very bad sign. Oh, my God. Start wagging How many the reviews? <laughs> And 47% audience score. 3.4 average rating. uh, 35 reviews counted. Jesus. Six fresh, 29 rotten. I think you might be looking at a a Horrible Bosses 2 situation. Guess I'm going to have to wait for that on uh, (laughs) (laughs) Blu-ray. How quickly your hopes have been dashed. Immediately. (laughs) It's been like 45 seconds. Yeah, exactly. If it had been been like a 70-something, you would have still been excited. But 17? Yeah, 17. Yeah, 17 is a territory where it's just shitty. Yeah, yeah. Like Beverly Hills Ninja shitty. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But you never know with these comedies, man. I mean, some comedies come out, they're not funny at all, and they Mm. get like this amazing, you know, audience reaction and everything. And it's, and then some of the movies like this, people are expecting one thing and they get another. And maybe that's what it is about the house. Mm -hmm. And they're not getting what they're expecting. And it's, it's tanking because of it. And then. Uh, you know, when I watch it six months down the road, I'm going to have a different experience. With yeah. It. Yeah. You might enjoy it because your expectations have been lowered. Yeah. I so. better have a rad outtakes, uh, like blooper reel thing. Oh yeah. You can't have that many like funny people. Oh, I know. I don't know. I've never seen the Ghostbusters blooper reel. The, the recent one. Yeah. I, don't, I wonder if that was any good. I doubt it. Man. Probably still better than the movie. If they, if they cut out if they cut out funnier stuff from the outtakes then <laughs> yeah, god that yeah. movie sucks ass there was something wrong with every bit of the process of making mm-hmm. that movie though 